main mix. Any better? Any better? Wow, there you are. You're back, baby. (laughs) Hey! Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. When I was thinking about podcasting tonight, I was like, oh man, I don't want to do another whole episode on the garbage scandal mm-hmm. stuff. But I also felt like, oh man, when I think about anything that I might want to talk about, I don't know, there's a, and this might be a danger with all this scandal stuff um, on our part, is that I don't want to now be vulnerable or too... Uh, open with my weaknesses yeah. or or whatever for fi- for for the fear yeah. that someone will think I'm a bad priest, you know. Whereas I feel like one of the strengths of this podcast, if it has a strength, is that we're pretty transparent. But I just felt from felt myself for the first time like mm, I don't want to really talk about that or this or you know interesting things that may have happened to me this week that I'd want to share with you guys if we weren't recording. Hmm. But. Um, that's just an observation that I had. Yeah. How do you like them apples? No I, especifico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were actually going to take it another way and say... Well, you can take it another way. You can take it and you can turn it. You can do whatever you want. Well, just to say, like, to talk about it honestly, especially from, like, personal... um, Like, from our own personal experience of it, is, uh, like, honestly, a lot of it when I hear about the scandal, it's like, okay, I can only do so much. It's like, what can I improve? How can I be a better priest? And how can I like be more true to the Lord? And like that takes some legitimate vulnerability. So like, don't put this on the podcast, but uh, uh, wait, is this all? It. Just don't say it if we're not going to put it on. Oh, I thought you weren't. I Is this all record? This is all going. I thought this is like a continuation of the cutting clip. Uh, can be. If we start doing this, no. I'm going to have to probably dump this whole episode. But if you want to say something you can say. No, it's just trying to find that balance where it's like, how do we talk about something difficult without doing the oversharing thing? Right. Because that's also like, I kind of tend to do that. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, that's like the way that I can relate to a lot of the scandal stuff is like, oh, well, yeah, my tendency would be to overshare, to right. be over vulnerable and be like, yeah, I, I have my own weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's the balance of where does where do people deserve to have an image of their priest that is holy and um, but also human and but also human. Yeah, transparent. So, yeah, which yeah. is always it's always kind of rung hollow to me like, oh, man, it's so great that you know, father can have a beer with me or I think there, it is great sometimes for that to be the case, but, um, that's not really what people want from their priests. And that's what these things really show is that what people want first and foremost is holiness, you know, uh, even if that costs a little bit of chumminess, they'd rather, I think I would rather be a holy priest than a chummy priest. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah, I agree. Dude, I was just reading something today that actually, uh, what you're saying made me think of it. Um, it was a guy writing a letter to Julian Caron, who is one of the, I don't know what his position is, but he's a part of CL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a, a CL book from one of my buddies, a priest friend who's in CL. And in the book, he has a letter from um, somebody who's in school community, is like a just a lay member of CL. And he was talking about encountering Corone and the way that Corone would act, would react to stuff was different than everybody else. And hmm. he was, it was, he was still confronting the same challenges, the same daily struggles, like the same tendencies to be cynical or to be frustrated or to like essentially not see the Lord's hand each day. But because Corone was responding in freedom out of his humanity that was like constantly with the Lord, it challenged this guy 
to say like, okay, what the heck, like, how is he seeing this hmm. and how am I not seeing it? So by Caron encountering the same struggles and just honestly talking about them, like even in his own limitations and not always knowing what to do, that it challenged this guy to take a journey and to say like, okay, if he can have grace and peace and where everyone else is having frustrations, like he's a, he's a human and he is just the same as me. If he can do it, it challenged him to take a journey with the Lord to like actually turn and to see, okay, like why am I missing this? Um, so I don't know. I, I, I guess I just throw that out there to say, yeah, if we authentically encounter, even if we talk about not the same tropic, but <laughs> if we, if we talk about it authentically from our own ex- experience, like hopefully it is with the Lord and that it, yeah, it's a challenge to see it from a new way. Um, and to see like, yeah, there is still grace there. Um, I don't know. So it was just kind of a comfort and shut down some fear, uh, that I had. And does that make sense? I think so. I was talking to a priest today. Um, I mean, he brought up the word equanimity as the virtue that's needed in this moment. And I had to confess, I didn't really know what that word meant. Um, and it's kind of a, it's sort of like an equilibrium, I guess would be the the word. I kind of thought of it as equality, like, you know, fairness. But equanimity is more like you're not easily swayed or you don't you're not prone to snap judgments about things or being carried away by i could have that totally wrong but that's at least how i understood it i should look it up um but i feel like in all of these situations um there's there's kind of the popular opinion of what should be done or what is obviously necessary and uh to me, it's not clear, you know, I guess my overarching experience of this whole, um, just debacle, this whole travesty has been either deep, uh, discouragement and the feeling that this whole thing has just been burnt to the ground basically. And there's no moral authority whatsoever left in the church or, I don't think about it and I just concentrate on what I'm doing and the people in front of me. And I think, no, that has no bearing, no power whatsoever over me or anything that I'm doing or the people that relate to me as a priest. Uh, those are, those are just lies from the devil that he wants to discourage me from being a good priest. You know, I just went this morning to register at the rec center so I can work out at the UIC gym. There was this, uh, where my clerics and, I have my little ID card and, and everything like that. I was like, how much does it cost to, to be a member here so I can work out? And, oh, he's the, he's the new chaplain at the Newman Center and blah, blah, blah. And a couple of people were saying stuff. And, and then this girl comes up to me. And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm really involved in the pro-life club. And I spent a lot of time at Newman. And um, she's a sophomore. And we got to talking. And just like very positive, you know, just because she knew I was the priest and she was eager to meet me and, um, I left feeling like everything is normal, <laughs> you know, like th- these kids don't necessarily even read the newspaper. If they do, it's, it's much easier to differentiate good from bad priests. Um, you know, so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's not obvious to me that we need to be talking about this constantly, even though I'm, I am thinking about it a lot mm-hmm. and I think people are. Um, you don't want to just sweep it under the rug. That's kind of what got us in this mess in the first place is to just say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Let's just move on. Uh, something must and needs be done, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's easy. The angry mob thing is very easy. And, uh, where's Christ in all this? That's where my question has really been. And, and I think that, you know, this is the, this is the thing is difficult for me to be vulnerable at that, I think, in this public way, in a podcast, is my own feeling like this has convicted me of where my attachments lie and where I really need to 
sever those attachments and, and bind myself completely to Christ as a priest. You know, those, those are between you and God and your best friends, you know, this, this, these areas of your life where you feel like you, you are not <clears throat> totally 100% faithful all the time, or you tend to be more vulnerable to, to temptation or whatever. And I had this image today of myself as a little kid uh, clinging to the side of the pool. I was a nervous little kid, <clears throat> especially in water. And I had, uh, I remember watching an old family video and there's me at like three or four years old <clears throat> with a inner tube around me and also clinging to the side of the pool. And also my dad <laughs> there telling me everything was going to be okay. Um, and then juxtapose that to like this memory I have of the, of the first time that I ever swum in the deep end without any sort of flotation and just realize like, oh, I can swim. But it took having to totally let go of all these other um, implements that would be, you know, make me feel better, but ultimately were in hindrance to my flourishing in the water and becoming like free, you know, to swim and, and enjoy life in the pool. And that I feel like is just emblematic of my, my whole life and probably all of us to some extent is that we have these things that we think we need or we cling to, but actually they're, they're just keeping us from really becoming who we're supposed to be. And that, that to me is what I'm getting out of this all, this whole thing is like, I just can't, you must be only attached to God. <laughs> I agree with that. Agreed. Well, now that that's settled. <laughs> I guess it's due. We did not let you play the title last episode. <laughs> we refused. Yeppers. What did I say about yeppers? Not to say it. <laughs> Yeesh. Well, um... You were doing some kind of uh, campus ministry there in Edwardsville as well, Roberto, hijo de one. Yeah, yeah. Had the first weekend masses uh, this past weekend, and um, I don't know. I really like the people, um, you know, so far. Like, we have two masses on um, Sunday, and it's, you know, it's not a big operation at at all but um and i don't know i mean maybe going like what you were talking about earlier with all the scandals around and yeah that's been maybe just like a really big grace for me the past week is um it just like realizing um i don't know there's just work to do like right in front of me you know and i i've just but that's i guess where i've kind of like been and uh and so it's not, I hope, I hope in no way like that belittles, um, like either like the Pennsylvania stuff or anything like that that's been in the news. But, um, and I, I know, you know, people probably have read it and have, you know, thought about it and everything, but, um, but it's just kind of, it's been cool because it's been busy here, but it's also just been like, um, no, like it's, you know, kind of like the Lord saying to me, even in prayer of like, Rob, you're my priest. And like, I need you right where you're at right now, you know? Um, and so that's been cool. It was a great weekend, uh, first weekend there. And I don't know, I'm just, yeah, in a lot of ways, I'm still just kind of on like kind of the, the ordination high, I mm-hmm. think in some ways of like, Amidst everything, amidst like all the bad news and everything like that, it's just so dang good to be a priest, man. And so I'm not trying to like throw anything on what has been said or anything like that, but you know, it's been awesome hanging out with Mike today. I'm just in like a really good mood, as sad as I am, like about all the news and, and the fact that something like that could happen in in the church. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to like got to do better and got to work on it and. Did you read that John Paul II thing I sent you, Connor? No, I didn't get a chance to. I put it on my reading list, though. What's I don't know. Well, it's only like summer? two pages long, FYI. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it takes probably five minutes to read, but it was the homily that I he don't preached. Have that kind of time. That's true. You're very important. <laughs> um, but it that really helps me too. Of like, I mean, that was right when I think I'm assuming the scandal's broken. O two publicly, and he it was the World Youth Day in Toronto in 2002. Mm-hmm. And dude, he just goes right at it. And like we we were talking about it today, and just like yeah, I, I I don't know the exact quote, but like in the paragraph, he's just talking about like it is a deep sense of like shame and sadness in the church for some of the priests and like the actions there of the clergy, but then also to like just remind yourself like you know think about the good and faithful priests that you've been around and faithful sisters that you've been around and. And then he, his next line literally is like, if the Lord is calling you to this life, like, don't be afraid to, and his line is, don't be afraid to follow Christ on the royal road of the cross. Um, hmm. And yeah, and that's, uh, that's, it's also the one that he said that great line of like, you are not the sum of your weaknesses. You are the sum of the Father's love for you and your real capacity to become the image of his son. Um, so I don't know. It was just really good. It was kind of that sense of like, yeah, I mean, it's everything else that's going on. Like, there's still a light in the darkness. I don't know. That's it. Amen. And Mike, are you excited for the uh, STL? Um, TBD. TBD on the STL? TBD on the excitement for the STL. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, can I? Do, I'm just gonna say a follow-up thing to that. Um, it's just you kind may. of been my. G- well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. It sounded like you, you were asking my permission. Thank you. No, 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 I was telling you. No. Okay. I'm gonna permit myself. Okay, Connor. There you go. Jeez. Um. That sounds. That's good, priest, right there. I'm obedient to my own will. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, the thing that's it's just kind of stayed with me as well um, throughout because, yeah, I mean, there has been no real direct impact yet except for um, like just talking about it with other priests and getting emails and statements from various bishops and things like that. Um, and certainly it does feel like there's a bit of a there's a cloud that's hanging over like all of my um, the time that I spend with other priests and things like that, that it's. It's like, gosh, it's just kind of in the back of your mind the whole time, um, just turning it over, trying to, yeah, trying to see exactly where is the Lord in this. And throughout all the conversations and time spent with other priests, like the thing that has stayed with me most is, yeah, this is terrible and it is real. And like, I am legitimately angry about it and frustrated, which it's also remarkable that we talked about this last episode, even before the Pennsylvania stuff came out right. and like. Yeah, I guess I was pretty shocked by that. Um, but similar sentiment that I expressed last time is just like, yeah, legitimately angry about it. And yet at the same time, like that is 100% true. And at the same time, like Christ is here and he is still victor. And uh, this does not define the church or the priesthood or myself in any way, shape or form. So... Um, I mean, it's like the cross, you know, like how is God here in the center of suffering and of sin? And yet it's like the most real place where God is. Um, so it's like, yeah, this is very real that there's awful, horrific sin here. And yet like Jesus is there simultaneously. So those two things are just existing together and just trying to stay in reality in both of those realities. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of letting the Lord lead and walk through that. But it's not the best feeling place to be all the time. And yet, um, like that's definitely where the Lord is. So there's been a lot of, yeah, I mean, I, I have great friends. I have great priests that I look up to. So it's been um, a real b- blessing to be ordained in Atlanta, to have great priest friends there and like to spend time with Rob here and to even talk with you. And I mean, this is a great community that the Lord's provided. Um, even my own family, like my mom and my dad were so good, uh, talking to me about it. And, um, yeah. So 
it's obviously a terrible situation, but the Lord is like, he has prepared um, people, relationships and community um, and himself like to be here with me. So, you know, no, no doubt, obviously that his presence is still there. So yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens moving forward. Like you said, I have no idea what, what it looks like moving forward, but I do know like, yeah, we just got to keep being human and living in our humanity and striving for divinity and like, let the Lord do the rest in our littleness. So I have also been amazed by all the first readings. Have y'all noticed this? Hmm. All of the first readings for like the past week have been Ezekiel, like just just raging, raging on Israel because they've fallen away from the Lord. And like the Lord is, is going to stay faithful to you, but he's going to like allow enemies to crush and destroy you. Then he's going to crush and destroy them but all for the good of Israel so hmm. that they can come back to him fully and um, like some pretty weird readings, but they've all been like directly about the, the purification of God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants us to be holy. Um, yeah. Just kind of apt timing for all those first readings there. So yeah. Indeed. It's a sh- string of thoughts there. Hey, I've been curious though. How did your um, day with all the seminarians go? That went really well. Yeah. We what did, work did they get all their work done? Yeah, pretty much. I was worried that a we might not have enough work for them to do, and then we'd run out of stuff, and hmm. I'd feel like a dinghy, or that there would be too much to do, and we wouldn't get done some of the essentials. But we pretty much balanced it just right. They got there around eight thirty. Fed them a little bit of breakfast. Had him work until noon. Had mass with the cardinal. Cardinal said a few remarks to them afterwards. He didn't get start work until two again, probably. So the last two hours, we finished up all the painting and ceiling tiles and stuff. I mean, it was a huge undertaking, and we got everything that really needed to get done done, including some stuff outside. But this is the last week before students get back on Monday have our first Sunday mass at 7 p.m. this Sunday for students coming back. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it's my first go around. I don't know what what to expect with any of this stuff in terms of numbers or energy or anything like that. But I'm, I'm psyched. A little stressful with, um, well, just a lot to think about, a lot to do, and then some hiccups on the whole archdiocese money paying for invoices and just boring stuff and systems and computing and bookkeeping that isn't happening the way it's supposed to, but hopefully a message I got tonight, it should be good. But you know, you're dealing with vendors, you're dealing with with business people who sometimes bend over backwards and help you out because you're the church. And then you feel like you want to make sure you pay your bills and all this stuff. And so I've been a little bit on edge. Maybe you, maybe you feel that I don't mean to be short, but, uh, um, and I'm under caffeinated today and under probably under rested. So mm. I don't think the nighttime casting, this is great. I'm glad we're talking, but I feel more these days, bright eyed and bushy tailed in the morning. Like my, the sun is up, it's going up and up and up and so is life and so is everything. But at <laughs> night I kind of feel like, uh, it's almost time for bed. It's 845. An old man. I've always been a morning guy. Yeah, I just think I feel like there's more hope in the morning. You are well. Thanks for saying that. I mean, I haven't really noticed anything necessarily, but um, you're also very busy and like you legitimately do real important work. <laughs> I've just been floating around visiting friends. Uh, it's like my stress level is. Uh, not the same as yours. So, well, I think that a lot of it is it's self-imposed. You know, like these projects don't need to be done by the time the students get back. It's all, you know, it's just my own because that can be an attachment and addiction too. Is who am I trying to impress, or you know, why can't I delegate this or that? Um, 
you know, I'm not saying that that's a huge problem for me right now. I think that it's reasonable, but whenever, whenever I feel overly busy or overly stressed, I always ask myself like, well, who's giving you this to-do list and why do you, what, what's that due date all about? You know? Um, and most of the time, if you have a conversation with somebody and you just say like, Hey, here's what's reasonable. Here's what can be expected in terms of my output and work. Um, there's nobody breathing down our necks as priests, especially, you know, people treasure the few priests they have, I think, especially if they feel like they have a good one, they want you to be, um, happy so that you keep working, <laughs> not burn you out. So, and I, I always feel like that if I am feeling danger of being burnt out, like why, why that, that, that little pool analogy that I had, that was, that was one of the first like deep affective prayer movements. And it came to me as I was, I think, riding my bike today, actually. Um, and I think that that's these little hanging onto the edge of the pool. It was, it was deeply moving to me because I feel like I do that so much. And it's difficult for me to pray when I'm busy or stressed or thinking, out, thinking about a lot of stuff that I need to do. Even though it makes me feel accomplished and I feel like I'm doing God's work and this is important. And, you know, students need a place where they can come and pray and relate and all that stuff. And Newman Center should be nice. But at the same time, am I a good priest for doing good projects or because I actually relate to God? And, and you, it's both and. You got to do both. But a lot of times busyness keeps us from, and I, I'm sure you guys experience that in seminary too, but that's where I'm at right now. So I, I think stress is bad. A desert day, a retreat, vacations—they make you feel like they make you realize that you're not the end of the. You're not the most important person in the world. That mm-hmm. life will go on without you. Like if you ever forget that, just give me a ring, Connor. I will remind you. That was my no special problem. ministry on Three North: was telling people you think you're special, but you're not. <laughs> I'm special. You are not. <laughs> right. I'm going to make a t-shirt for you that says that. I'm I, special. You are not. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. That's a good t-shirt. I'm bearing that burden. <laughs> so, Mike, are you going to are you looking for a place to help out on the weekends? While yeah. you're in Chi-Town? Um Chi-Town. Do you know anybody who's looking for help? You could come help at the Newman Center. Bum, bum, bum. I hadn't thought about it. I'm just kidding. I talked about it with Rob today. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um. Do you have, ideally, I would like to go down on like, I don't know, maybe even Friday evening, mm-hmm. um, right on Saturday. And then, um, well, so warning to you, uh, I did get an email that says I can only celebrate one mass each Sunday. Okay. Well, I only have so, two here, so. Oh, well, you don't want me to... How would I help you? I don't know. It's We have to talk about it maybe offline, but... Uh... Okay, good idea. Mm-hmm. How many Masses do you have on Sunday? Or on the weekends? Oh, just the two. Unless there's wow. a special Mass like this weekend. I'm having a welcome Mass with some friends of Newman on wow. Saturday. So you don't... But... Nice, man. Yeah, Saturday's kind of my day off. Even like in the parish, it was pretty much the busiest day because weddings, quinceañeras... Uh, a lot of times people would wait to have funerals till Saturday. I had the morning mass and confessions, then the vigil mass. So you're changing the church over the new weekend. And a lot of times people would want to take you out on Saturday. So that was kind of my longest day. Um, but here in the Par- well, here in the Newman Center, it's kind of, especially this is a commuter campus. So, or largely a computer campus. So a lot of people, I said computer campus. This is a computer campus. Commuter. Oh, it's like uh, it's like Phoenix. Yeah, this is <laughs> no that. Yeah, University of Phoenix is a computer campus. <laughs> UIC is a commuter campus. There's a difference. There is a difference. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of kids go home. They might even go home to their home parishes for mass on Sunday. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hmm. How do you do? You have an actual Newman Center then that like they can come to. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, that's what all the projects have been. You got you. You should come see it. Every if you're yeah. ever up in the Chi-town area, Mike, you should do, you should certainly come see it when you're at Mundelein. 
I have good plans. I have okay. So this is worthy of mentioning on the cast if people are still listening by now. Um, Make no small plans. I really want, and I, I hollered at my boy Andrew from Guadalupe Rostri mm. about this idea. About <gasps> dude, there is. I know, you, yes. you know what I'm going to say. Well, I hope so. So we have this huge lounge area, and we're loading it with some tight furniture for chillage. Some tables, chairs, just making it look like I want to. I want to hang there, chill with my bro dudes. I want to study there. I want to pray there, all that stuff, because <clears throat> um, it's attached right to our chapel. I want to the be there just hearing about it. It sounds so awesome. It's so dope, especially the new paint and the floors and the ceiling and all that. And mm-hmm. We're gonna have, we're gonna have sweet Wi-Fi that just goes, you know, boom goes the dynamite in terms of speed and whatnot. It could be hovering around 50. I'm thinking at least five, six internets per person. Um, mm-hmm. Extending for miles. Check speed.com. Nice. Fast.com. So, fast.com. Oh! Speaking <laughs> of fast.com and internets, let me just... It sounds interrupt. like somebody just assaulted you, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Let me... Let me uh, before I go too much into... I think it, maybe you already can tell what the end of that story is going to be, but... Guadalupe, we do have a promo code. Okay. What? Whoa. I don't know if it's case sensitive, but go to you know GuadalupeRoastery.com or whatever and buy their coffee. At checkout, put in TDN fifteen for your listeners to get fifteen percent off any one-time purchase. No, no. way, <laughs> dude! I am very honored right now yeah wow i'm gonna go buy some yeah <laughs> just to make no. it look like oh man so many people listen to three dogs north we had like three or four purchases and it's all like <laughs> yeah. it's TDN, all me. tdn 15 might have Dude. to be all caps might not have to be all caps the way he wrote it to me it's all caps try both try both buy then, yeah two different sets dude it, i would be losing money if i didn't buy that mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Even though we get it for free. <laughs> <And it's laughs> so anyways, so speaking of my lounge, speaking of Guadalupe Roastery, speaking of TDN 15 for 15% off any one-time purchase, go to GuadalupeRoastery.com. I, Try both capital and non-capital <laughs> TDN. <laughs> I have the idea to make a coffee shop in the lounge. Yes. Like get a big espresso maker, call a Cafe Guadalupe, um, you know, sell Guadalupe coffee. So that's why I, I shouted at my boy Andrew, former dog and current partner, helper, person at, at Guadalupe. Dog in good standing. I would love, I don't know anything about this stuff. And he said they're not really in a position right now. I was like, why don't you buy me an espresso machine? Because you guys know coffee and I will sell exclusively your product and and uh, call it Cafe Guadalupe. He loves the idea. Wait, wait, call it what? Cafe Guadalupe. Wow. Wouldn't that be cool? Dude. And then like plaster, you know, the Virgin of Guadalupe on the wall. We might still do that anyway. Probably would, but I I, I was just trying to throw in a couple niceties. Um But hey, if, if anybody does if you're listening, it, Andrew, I don't do it. Come to SIUE. <laughs> you can call it Cafe Guadalupe. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't they get just uh, franchises going in in Newman Centers? I think it's a good idea. But anyways, I think that this is the kind of thing like you could become pe- part of people's morning routine. Um, you know, get people in the Newman Center hanging out, studying, becoming a place where people, you know, it's an intellectual, spiritual, community relating thing. And coffee is just, it's good, but I, I need basically money and expertise to make the thing run. And uh, maybe a lawyer to tell me if I need a license or health code or whatever to, to sell food or drink. Yeah, if you're selling it, you definitely do. I'm right. not a lawyer, but you do. Yeah, and you're going to have to employ people to actually work it. Right. Well, that would that's the easy part. We already have student workers anyway. I just oh, train, train the student workers to do it. Um, but it's a big project, and I need I need help doing it. Um, but I think it's exciting. I think the, the whole idea, and it's perfect. Like, we have this kitchen in there with a big counter, and there's a window out into the lounge right where you would be getting coffee and and hanging out oh, on snap, the high top tables and pool table oh. ping pong, sectional couches, get a projector, watch football games on Sunday. You know, college stuff. Yeah, it sounds awesome. 
Yeah. For Ca- for Guadalupe as well. Yeah. That's uh it's a This is a subtle this is a heaven. not so subtle way to put some pressure on him. Yeah. You know. You know yeah. Well then you just guess. said it right there, so it's really out there. Yeah, now no, it's not even even a little bit subtle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just tool now. <laughs> oh come on. Too far. TDN fifteen question mark. How about TDN seventy guys? Come on. Mm. Like, let's get after this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, better than TDN zero. Wow, we have a promo code. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very honored. Very honored. Hey, so what did you think about well, yeah, I probably can't talk about that on the on the cast. Is it did you enjoy spending time with the seminarians? Yeah. Yeah, some good dudes. Very good. I was very impressed. Cool. With the quality of men and their uh, stick-to-itiveness and hard work ethic. And also, not a lot of shovel-leaning, you know? Not a lot of, oh, we finished our job, so let's avoid the boss so he doesn't give us another job. They were eager to help and charismatic and good. So I Was Was a guy named Mike Maringer there? Probably. I didn't learn a lot of last names, but there was a Mike. Maringer. If you're listening to this, we're drinking Bolo. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He does know. Dang. All right. Well, anything else, fellas? Hmm. Can I just voice that I'm not super satisfied with this cast? You can voice it. I, I just did. Voiced it. I don't know what to say, bro. Yeah, no, me either. I tried to bring it. I even took a nap and drank a coffee. Hmm. I felt like you guys brought it. Maybe it's just not in the magic air tonight. Like I said, I like the morning better. I do like the morning better. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite cast memory? I legitimately want to know that. I like the, the whole starting of it. It was fun. First few times we did it with the little dumb <coughs> microphone and messed it up and looking at the stats and everything. Now it's just kind of, I'm not mailing it in. I still care and want to put out a good podcast, but I certainly <laughs> don't look at the stats anymore. What are we at? Like, I don't know. You want me to check? Yeah. Well, I don't I even love know the... what they mean, to be honest with you. These yeah, stats. that's true. We can't. They're just Do you still subscribe to that? Just don't. Do you still pay them money? Well, they're the, they're our hosting service, but they also have stats you can look at. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's for the what's the opening line from the podcast is? I feel like there's just not that much good TV anymore. <laughs> oh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, talked about binge watching TV. That huh. was the vision, though. It was like not not a Catholic podcast. Oh, that reminds me. Of, um, it's a great opening line to a podcast. Yeah, it's a really good opening line. <laughs> it's the best opening line. Subterranean. <laughs> Dialectic. Lasers. Lasers. <laughs> yeah, that's some subliminal advertising right there. <sighs> I wrote, I did. I tried to tell you last time, but I started writing more songs. Yeah. Um, story complete. I wrote a song. And I think it's decent. Play it. You want me to go play it? You want me to grab my guitar? I can play it. Yeah, get your guitar. Hold up. I'll be right back in three seconds. One, two, three. Actually, I'm leaving right now. I'll be right back. (laughs) Time me. (laughs) I thought he was going to give a countdown to his own departure. I'm leaving in three, two, two, and one. one. Last off. And one. What aren't you satisfied with? Talk it out. This is that's the thing. Is like I don't know if I want to talk about it on the podcast. Right, yeah, I'm back. yeah. You know what I mean, is, this is yeah. like some sensitive stuff we got going on. You guys ready for this, Jelly? Yeah, play it. Man, I don't even have a, I don't have a strap or a chair. How am I going to do this? Are you? You don't have a chair? Oh, Are you're you at a standing artist desk. or not? Can you hear that okay? Yes. 
Let me go get a chair too, real quick. <laughs> Sounds like he's just farting in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he comes back and listens to this later. He'll hear that. <laughs> He'll probably just air all of this. What if it's just like he shame? What if he just this. plays like dust on the bottle and tries to claim? <laughs> I hear that. Hey, I'm back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm sitting in a patio chair from my hallway closet now at my standing desk. It looks really cool. I look like Bob Dylan or something. All right. Can you hear the guitar? All right. Oh yeah. Are you just going to sit there and you're going to listen? Or... Yeah, I mean, we have no other options. Like, what else would we do? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys aren't really bringing it tonight, so... <laughs> I'll put you on my back. <sighs> Wait up, guys.
drive away money Cause you're supposed to decision make a friend that's basically it bravo my friend nice man you liked <clears throat> yeah it's a little long it's longer than i remembered you're playing it on a podcast how long was it i don't know i don't know when i started but it just felt long that's you should good. post it did you post it? Yeah. Yeah. As part Where's of the there? podcast? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we, should we just turn this into, should I get some poetry and read it? Yeah. Do you, do been, you, do you write poetry? Yeah, of course I write poetry, <laughs> okay, dude. Go get it and read it. No, see, the thing is, I don't have my notebook with me, <laughs> which, which I wouldn't re- read poetry on the podcast. Um, you wouldn't no i don't think i would because you're kind of above that sort of pandering where you would come present your art on the podcast (laughs) is that what you're saying no it's because i'm um, not that desperate for affirmation let's just (laughs) but tell me how did it sound also i need to go so i can listen to (laughs) the recording no i actually for the whole malaysia trip it was a big grace for me um, it was a big, big grace for me is I had written one poem in particular that like, I don't know, it's one of those things where you finish and you're like, what, where did this come from? Kind of a deal where mm. you, you really did feel like there was certainly a secondary primary author and you just kind of went along with it. Mm. Um, and I love the poem. I do love it, but it's very personal and, um, I don't know. I That's guess I realized that I enjoy writing poetry yeah. and, huh. Uh, so what I did for the Malaysia trip was I would journal at the end of every night or like the next day about the, the previous day and journaled about it in poetry form. So like wrote the whole story of Malaysia in, in poetry and then read it to the group at the end Wow! and loved, I absolutely loved doing it. I hope they liked it. Uh, but it was a ton of fun to do. So it was both creative and helped me remember, mm-hmm. um, like very specific moments and things. So. Yeah, I, I have gotten into that quite a bit. But I feel like poetry, though, is the thing is like you, not that you're meant to be intentionally vague, but you could say something confusing and it sounds like, yep. whoa, was that deep? <laughs> like, or maybe I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah. Both? Like, who knows? I know, it's, man. Well, that's kind of what I like about songwriting is that you can and should be a little vague and subtle. Otherwise, it's sounds really hackneyed you know you can write a song that's basically a story but it's even if you just discursive and like i went to the store and then i slipped on a banana peel <laughs> like yeah i know exactly what that song's about it's you going to the store and slipping on a banana peel whereas if you're like you know the shiny linoleum floor and the peanut butter flying by my face and <laughs> saying the same thing but you're doing it in a poetic <laughs> way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, at least in an indirect way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I actually have, lo- I lost my green notebook that had all my poetry and it. it's being mailed to me to Mundline, so. Oh, you didn't lose-lose it. No, 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 no. I, I guess I misplaced it and somebody found it and sent it, which is great because some uh, deep, dark secrets in there. Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a phobia of mine, bringing my journal places. not that there are deep dark deep dark secrets in it but not that i need to lock it with a retinal scanner or biometrics yeah (laughs) retinal scanner that's a good idea um 
So I did have a thought. Okay, this is I don't know what Uh-oh, y'all want to do. Mike's got a thought. Well, it's just like, yeah, Mike's been thinking again. Oh, <laughs> that's just a classic old man joke. Like when sixteen year old goes, "Oh, I got my driver's license." Oh, everybody off the road. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, we just did that to my younger brother. <laughs> we just got his Better watch out. But for real, he's a little bit of a menace. He's dangerous. Is that Joe? Joe. Congrats, Joe. Yeah. yeah I know Joe. you're a big listener. Joe. Um, well, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of, I, I don't know how to go about talking about the all the scandal business because it just stinks. And like, I know I don't want to talk about it all the time. And yet... Like I still have a lot of thoughts on it, and I don't get to process it with everybody. So, um, yeah, there is this balance that um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I've met people who have like really extremist, constant fear of like the worst thing in the world possibly happening, and then other people who are very aloof and like don't think about. They're kind of naive and like don't acknowledge danger and the reality of evil in the world. And there, and then there's everyone like kind of in between there. And uh, I was just reading this book that I picked up at the airport not too long ago called uh, Churchill and Orwell. And it's about how both of them um, were, in a sense, fighting for freedom and fighting for humanity uh, against the Nazis and against totalitarian states in their own way, but kind of at the same time and drawing connections between the two. It's a pretty cool book. I enjoy it a lot. But I'm at the part now, I was, I was literally just reading it. And in like the 19, late 1930s, um, in Parliament, the Prime Minister of Britain was in like massive, like very close conversations with Hitler. They trusted him. They thought he had had all these meetings with Hitler in these various locations in Europe. And he was revered as a hero because he had reached peace. He, he like declared that because of his conversations with Hitler, he trusts him. And like, I believe with my whole heart that England is going to be safe, that Britain is safe because we've had these peace talks and everything's going to be fine. And everyone was like, yeah, this dude's a hero. He just saved us from World War II. Like Germany had been building up all these, they almost got into an arms race with Britain and Britain said, no, Let's give them what they want a little bit and like slowly we'll enter peace by showing them that like we're able to appease a little bit of of what they want. And everybody was like, yeah, he did it. This guy, Chamberlain, he did it. He brought peace to Britain and saved the world from the Second Great War. And the whole time that this is going on, Churchill is like freaking out and he's yelling at everybody saying like, no, you don't understand death is around the corner. Like you think they're just going to stop after you give them a part of Czechoslovakia, but this dictator Hitler is going to wage war on the entire world. And like nobody could hear him. Nobody could hear or listen or cared what Churchill was saying. They thought he was like, he almost was shunned completely from the political world. And like, why do some people how do some people see it? How do some people see this stuff coming? Mm. And of course, so like I'm relating that to all this business that comes out and like, you know, I know people who are like doom and gloomers. And then I know people who have no idea that there's any sort of danger possibly lurking ever. And like, how do you live this balanced way that like, yeah, maybe what you're looking at is actually like real danger on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and how do you see that? But also, how do you do it as a balanced person? Um, because, yeah, like, obviously it applies to the scandal, but then even, um, I don't know, on, like, the lower scale, the day-to-day of life, like, I, we can obviously fall into that as well. But I guess it's a, that's the question that's on my mind is, like, how come some people see it and how come others don't? Um, I guess that's not exactly the question. But those are my thoughts right now. I don't know if that means anything to you guys um but like everyone thought he was nuts and then it broke into the second world war and he was like the only guy in britain who really w- either had the cajones to say it or had the eyes to see it um how are you yeah, saying what, that, how are you saying that relates to the church scandal 
Well, I'm just like to not be reactionary, like what you talked about, like to have this balanced, non-impulsive reaction that acknowledges, yeah, this is a real danger. Or like there is real stuff that lurks in like parts of the church. And yet at the same time, like to not just be a doom and gloomer, Mm. um, to, to like live in the reality that there are things like really terrible things that could be coming. Mm-hmm. And that that's like a real possibility. Yeah. And but at the same time to No, I could see this becoming to not jump at it like the angry mob thing. What scares me is an overreaction. I mean, again, there's it's like how could you have an overreaction to something so terrible? Um I get that, but still, you know, that this could bankrupt the church and could it could end the priest of a lot priesthood of a lot of good men if we don't take a pretty sober approach to what's really happening you know what i mean um because people will make easy judgments and they'll try to fit it into their own narrative of what they already think is wrong with the church and all this stuff whether it's clericalism or homosexuality or blah 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 um you know, what's really wrong is that the statute of limitations out of, you know, people ought to be able to get justice after all these years. And, hey, I'm totally, you know, uh, on board with that. But still, there are unintended consequences to everything that you think is just now obvious because of circumstances is the right thing to do, you know. Um, yeah. How do you be like Churchill and see through all that stuff um, of what's really you know, I think Churchill was pretty good in wartime, pretty not good in peacetime. <laughs> uh, there's probably certain priests, bishops, and saints that are good for certain times in the church and not so good in other times. But um, yeah, and they say Patton. Patton was a similar way, but but even st- I, like, I guess I I don't even know. What I I'm watched the movie. Tr- yeah, I watched the movie True Confessions last night. Have you seen that with Robert De Niro? No. No, I really recommend it. It's uh, Robert De Niro is a Monsignor who's like the Cardinal Secretary in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And then his brother, Robert Duvall, is a uh, homicide detective. And there's kind of there's some racy stuff in it. It's probably from the 80s, but set in the early 60s, maybe. Um, And it's about how he's basically like a power broker in the archdiocese and does the cardinal's dirty work for him and relating to these kind of mobby union um you know irish construction company guys that are also running whorehouses and all sorts of seedy things but they kind of overlook it and give them sashes for being catholic layman of the year as long as they you know build a school or an orphanage or whatever kind of grease the wheel um and it's sort of it showed uh I won't tell you how it ends, but it showed the danger, the spiritual danger of um, basically like back to the time of St. Gregory the Great, you know, what what it means to be in the world, but not of the world. When you're a pastor, you have to worry about these temporal affairs going back to the beginning. Stuff I'm having to think about um, on a daily basis. It's so small stakes. It's like the garbage at Newman. I have to think about pickup and (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Like how much lower stakes could you get? But you do get distracted by that stuff. And especially when you feel like, oh, this is important, this is necessary that I do this work and fix problems. And um, and there's some parts in that movie where he's being asked by friends to help cover up for them for their sexual indiscretions. You know, um, some are priests, some are not. And, and you see how that whole buddy system, you know, looking the other way and this is for the sake of the institution and you don't want to embarrass any individual priest or individual, you know human weakness and blah 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 like a culture like that can can form up easily among the church and among anything any sort of institution that sees itself as um distinct from from civil society or or in service of it or like that if we fail then that's somehow bad for society so there are things that we need to just take care of in-house so that, you know, people don't need to know about it, but it's, you know, 
it's not exactly pretty and it would it would break shake people's faith in this institution so it's better to just sweep it under the rug you know in the long run that'll help people and now the conventional wisdom is obviously the opposite that all of that was bad and that what really should happen is that everybody should know every detail but at the same time you read these this grand jury report and it's like kind of reminds me of the star report from the 90s with bill clinton it's like dude did we need to know all that stuff about the dress and the cigar and these things that are kind of i mean our own culture's fascination with the salacious and the titillating um i mean it's just evil it's just evil plain and simple this these things that happened and uh god forbid we relish them or find find any sort of um terrible entertainment or interest in it so all i'm saying is that there's there's a side to everything and um it's just a bad deal Well, it just seemed like what you were asking, <clears throat> Mets was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like the way I heard you anyway was just, I mean, because it is like you don't want to be oversimplistic in like thinking about any one person or like the reality is you can't see everything all the time, you know, like, yeah, it was, I think I was t- telling you about the the stuff that I read that dead wake book or whatever that had some like pretty critical things to say about Churchill and like other aspects, yeah, yeah. even though he was a man for the hour and like some and yeah. everything. But yeah, I mean, it's just being human is you can't catch everything, you know, yeah. you want to, but it almost sounds like I don't want to, you tell me if this is accurate. Cause I mean, this is accurate for me, but the fear is it's like, okay, like I can't, Um, thanks be to God, like I can't even fathom like how, um, just disgusting crimes like are detailed in that Pennsylvania report happen and like we're reality in any priest's life. Um, but apparently they're, they're true, you know? And so then the question is, is like how many like very good priests like just didn't see it, you know? And so like the fear is it's like, yeah, it's kind of terrifying to think about like, okay, even if I'm not involved or if I'm not, um, you know, um, yeah, like, but could I miss something like that? You know, like an honest question Hmm. like that. And it's like, my God, I hope not. Or what if I saw it or what if I heard through the grapevine and had a decent, you know, benefit of the doubt kind of excuse not to say anything but it was something yeah. it was something that heinous like what what lengths would i go to how how far would i stick my neck out you know? yeah yeah no i think that is certainly a part of it well there's <coughs> two, two things to that is like you said earlier connor like just kind of in passing but like you know people they know when they have a good priest and like they can identify mm-hmm. that and like i don't know if that's true and I, but I, I think that's true as well. But then, like evidence shows, like we're not able to identify good and bad all the time. And like, how how could we miss this? How is that possible? That like such large scale um, sin was going on, and like, yeah, I guess I, I'm struggling to fathom how that's one, how that is possible. Um, yeah. And then two, just the realization of like, yeah, I mentioned this to Rob earlier is that was one state yeah, excluding Philadelphia, right? Not even all of the dioceses in that state in that one state mm-hmm. out of 50 states. And it's not even like a really big state or, you know, it's not exceptional in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what is, I don't know, what does that mean? And and so I, I guess what I was really saying, like what struck me with the Churchill deal was like, sometimes World War II happens. And like, for real, sometimes everything hits the fan. And like, I guess in seminary for a long time, there was like a lot of alarmists that I would just be like, no, like we can't, we can't be extreme. Like, yeah, things are fun. Like, it's going to be, okay. things are going to be saying. okay. Right. And then it's like, well sometimes Germany and Japan like bomb you and blow up all of your ships in Pearl Harbor. And like sometimes terrible stuff happens. And so I, yeah, I guess that's just a realization that like, those are not just historical things that like 
uh, like they are happening, I guess, hmm. is what I'm, yeah, something like that. And the, Some, it's time to yeah. be a man of the hour. I don't know. I don't know. It's just for a long time in seminary, I was the anti-alarmist guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> right. I, get, I totally Am I this? Was I, the, was I Chamberlain in mm-hmm. Parliament saying like, oh, mm-hmm. there's the wacko. Yeah. There's the wacko over there. Oh, there's Churchill <clears> just being loud and boisterous. He's probably drunk and he just hates Germany. Right. And he hates Hitler. Like, I, he was clearly on to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, boys, it might be as good a place as any to, to leave it for tonight. Yeah. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.